Happy are the poor in spirit. You are the salt and light. Be happy in Jesus. Well, it's good to see you this morning. I, uh, Man, after hearing that last song of speaking the name of Jesus, I just think we need to pause and pray. Some of you have people on your heart. Some of you have folks that you love that are going through some serious illness right now or they're in the midst of medical testing. Some of you are going through grief right now because of loss. We think of places like, uh, I just thought, Lord, uh, we think of those in the Ukraine today who need to have the name of Jesus spoken over them. We think of moms wondering if they're going to have formula for their babies. We think of those that are grieving up in Buffalo after another mass shooting. There's just so much hurt around us. So let's take a moment and just pray. And whatever the Lord and whoever the Lord lays on your heart, maybe uh, would you just lift them up and pray the powerful and awesome name of Jesus? Lord, we live in a hurting world. And so many of us today are carrying burdens and uh, heartaches for, for others. We're concerned about those that we love who are having health issues. We're concerned about family members who are away from you. And they made a profession maybe years ago, but it, we're not seeing anything in their life right now. We think of uh, this formula shortage for babies and moms already probably stressed out and what they're experiencing now. We think of families that are grieving in places like Buffalo today. We think of the nation of Ukraine and so many who have been displaced and, and maybe living in a church basement somewhere hundreds of miles away from their home, and they're wondering, Jesus, are you there? So, Lord, I, I pray for your presence to be evident and to be real. And we know that there is only salvation in one name, and that's the name of Jesus. But we would know that there's really only hope in one name, and that's the name of Jesus. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would move and minister. In your name, amen. As we think about the Beatitudes and, and Jesus in his first sermon that we have recorded, and how he, he begins in talking about how we can be happy. Now, in our world today, there are many that are looking for lots of different ways to find happiness. I was reading an article uh, just this past uh, couple of weeks, and and. This man was talking about all the ways people are looking for happiness, and let me just name a few. First off, he said purchases. People think if I can just buy the next thing, if I can get a better car, a bigger house, if I can have the latest electronics, or uh, if I can have what, what's new and, and shiny and glitzy, that will make me happy. For some, it was their paycheck. If I could just make more money and bring home more money, then I would ultimately 
be happy. It's all found in their money. For others, it was, if I could just experience that next relationship. You know, things didn't work out well here, and now if I jump over here and I can just find the right relationship, then I will absolutely find this sense of happiness. For others, it's a sense of their personal appearance. If our waist could be a little trimmer, our biceps a little bit bigger, our face a little more tighter, uh, then we are going to find, we're going to feel better about ourselves, and we're going to be happy. Finally, he said, and a lot of people today are looking for happiness in a job. And so if they can just find the right job, it may not be a bigger paycheck, but it's just the right job. And the challenge is, as we look at all of these different aspects and facets of life, is we find that all of these external things are never going to bring happiness on the inside. And that's what Jesus is driving home in the B attitudes. Happiness is not something that happens on the external that we can bring in and make us happy. Instead, it's something that we experience inwardly that then it changes how we walk through life. So take your Bibles this morning, turn me to Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 3. It is not a long verse. I would encourage you, just as we're going through these over the next few weeks, especially the these eight called the Beatitudes, that you would just take a moment and try to get those in your in your mind, all right? Try to memorize those. He begins, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And with that, let's pray together. God, thank you for your word and your truth. And and Lord, I, I pray that you would just help us to clearly see what it means to be poor in spirit. And then, Lord, that we would see how we can, through that time of being poor in spirit, that we can experience true blessing and experience your kingdom. In your name, amen. Now, life in 2022 is very different than it was in the first century AD, but we find incredibly that the needs of people and the desires of people are basically the same. That we all want to have this sense of happiness in our life. That we all want to to be able to move through life and have this sense of inner satisfaction and happiness and joy on the inside of our life. But many people go and try to find that in many different ways. And as I shared last week, that one of the chief sources of unhappiness is when we look for happiness and all of these external things. So when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, what is he getting at? How can we be happy when we're poor and we're poor in spirit? And, and let me summarize it just, just very, very succinctly in, in one sentence. When we perceive our spiritual poverty, we can receive his spiritual provision, all right? That, that's really what this is getting down to. When we perceive our spiritual poverty, we can receive his spiritual provision. So as we think about this beatitude, I, I want us to first off think about the explanation. 
the, 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 what does it mean to be poor in spirit? So when we think about being poor in spirit, and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, let's think first about the explanation of being poor in spirit. Now, we hear the word poor, and we automatically think often finances. And we think, blessed are poor? Blessed are when, when, when we're poor? Yet this, this premise or this explanation of being poor in spirit is not really about our finances at all. As we think about finances, we recognize that no one, when they're a child or a middle schooler or a high school, says, you know, my goal in life is to grow up and be poor. All right? I mean, I've never, I've never heard that. I have a family member who is uh, young and single, and her goal in life right now is to marry a rich man. So anyway, I mean, you know... Uh, that, that, that thought of poverty often just directly steps into the area of finances. Now, when we think about finances and we look at finances in the Bible, we, we recognize here that this is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not giving a reference. This is not a reference to physical poverty. This is not talking about that. But when we look at the Bible, we do find people in the Bible who are rich and are poor. I mean, we look in the Old Testament and we find people like Abraham and Job and King David and King Solomon, very, very wealthy. We find people in the Old Testament who were people of faith who were very poor. There was a widow that Elijah went to at Zarephath and Elijah said, hey, would you make me a little cake? And she said, look, Dude, I have just enough flour and enough oil to make one more cake for me and my son, and then we're going to die of starvation. And basically, he tells her, hey, just go make me one, and then every time you put your hand into the flour and into the oil, it's going to be there for you. She was very poor. We find also Ruth. When you think about Ruth and Naomi, remember Ruth, how she met Boaz, who would be her husband. She was gleaning in the fields. In those days, as they were bringing in the harvest, they were told not to go all the way to the corner. They had to kind of cut the corner so that the corners could be left for those who were poverty stricken in their area to come glean that, uh, that harvest on their own. She was very, very poor. We come to the New Testament, we find that there are people that were rich. Joseph of Arimathea, who allowed Jesus a weekend visit at his tomb, all right? Uh, he, he was very, very rich and wealthy. We think of in Acts 8, the Ethiopian eunuch, the Ethiopian man. He was the treasurer for Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. He was probably a very wealthy man. We find in Acts 16, we find Lydia. And yet we find very poor people in the Bible as well. We look in Luke chapter 16, and there's a man named Lazarus. We're going to talk about him just in, in, in a little bit when we think about uh, this word for poor. But he was one who sat at a rich man's gate and basically he begged. He didn't have anything. Remember, Jesus even said that foxes have holes, you know, but he didn't even have a place to lay his head. So, so understand this is, this is not talking. Money is amoral. You, you can be poor and faithless or rich and faithless. He's not talking about physical poverty. This is a, a challenge for us instead to recognize our spiritual poverty. It does not refer to physical poverty. It gives a reference to our spiritual poverty. 
which basically when we think about our spiritual poverty, we have to understand that in and of ourselves, that we are born with a nature to sin and we choose to sin. David in Psalm 51 says that he uh, was, was uh, brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. He's not saying that his mom did a sinful act, but he's saying that there was a nature of sin in her and there's a nature of sin in him. Paul drives this home in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 3, where he reminds us that we are by nature children of wrath. We are born with a sin nature. Now, this is perfectly exemplified and illustrated every time you walk down into the nursery. You walk down there, you do not have to teach a child to be selfish and self-centered and greedy. You have to teach a child to share and to play nice and to be kind. Why do we have to teach them that? Because our own nature begins to come out. And you know one of those first words that those kids learn. No. You'd say, did you do that? No. I want you to go do this. No. All right. That is a picture. You say, that's just the human nature. Yeah, exactly. The human sinful nature that comes out. So we are sinners by nature. And then we are also sinners by choice. I mean, the Bible makes it clear that none of us are righteous. Ecclesiastes 7.20 reminds us that there's not a good man who does everything good and does not sin. We know all have sinned. We, we, we in, our, in this last week can look at times where we thought something, said something, or did something that we knew blew it, and we chose to do it anyway. Or we, we lost our temper and did it. He's not talking here about physical. He's talking about spiritual poverty. When we perceive our spiritual poverty, that's the first step here. Do you know, as, as we think about this perceiving our, our spiritual poverty and saying that you are poor in spirit, that in Luke chapter 16 and verse number 20, when we find Lazarus at the uh, begging, it gives a picture of him cowering, absolutely helpless, utterly dependent upon what someone would give in order to survive. And this is the picture for, for us as believers. We have to recognize for, for us, we, we have to come to a place of recognizing that we are spiritually destitute, spiritually dead, and spiritually disqualified from a relationship with God on our own merit, by our own doings, and we are disqualified from a perfect heaven with a perfect God. We have to perceive that in us, there is nothing that merits goodness so that I can get to heaven on my own. And there's nothing externally that I can do to earn heaven on my own. Do you know what the truth of the matter is? And I don't know if you were uh, watching any of the news over the past couple of weeks where this, uh, this lady who was kind of a sheriff's deputy kind of person helped this other guy to escape from, from prison. They went on the run for a few days. And when they showed the picture of him, he came out in an orange jumpsuit and went and got in the police car. Can I tell you today 
we should all be in orange spiritual jumpsuits or in big black and white stripes on our own, in ourself. That's where we are. We in and of ourselves are by nature and by choice sinful and separated from God. So we begin to perceive this spiritual poverty. Did you know Isaiah 64 says, even the attempts that you make at righteousnesses, they're like filthy rags before him. Now, being poor in spirit recognizes that I in myself cannot merit anything to deserve Jesus, salvation, heaven. Okay? It really comes to understanding, I am a sinner. Now, we not only see the explanation of this, but Jesus also gives a picture of this. So take your Bibles and look with me to Luke chapter 18. And I want us to think about the picture, this picture of of being poor in spirit. In Luke chapter 18, he tells a parable beginning in verse number 9. And in Luke 18, 9, it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Now, did you see that? They think they're spiritually rich. They're trusting in themselves and their righteousness. Okay? So, so he says, he's telling the parable to, to those who are trusting in themselves that they are righteous and look down on everyone else. Here's this parable, verse number 10. Luke 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. What a prayer. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I got. So we get a picture first of the Pharisee as he comes to God in his own personal self-righteousness. And then here's the contrast. But the tax collector standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So we see first the pride of the Pharisee. Jesus is confronting those who are self-righteous, who think that they are spiritually rich. And this guy says, Lord, thank you that I don't act like these people over here. And Lord, I'm, I, I'm righteous. And, and Lord, thank you. I'm not like the greedy. And Lord, thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. And the tax collector, he comes with just this, this essence of deep repentance this heart that is broken before the Lord. And he says, Lord, have mercy on me. Now, let's first think about this Pharisee. He gets his money clip and uh, his spiritual money clip. and, And as he walks into the temple, he says, hey, Lord, you should be glad to have me. I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm one of the good guys. Look at me, Lord. Let me give you my my resume here. Lord, I'm a Pharisee. 
I am, I am well taught, I am esteemed, I am respected by those in society, and I am living right. Lord, look at my position. Here I am. Then he says, and, and Lord, you know I'm not like these other folks. I live better than everybody else does. And Lord, look at me. I fast not one time a week, but twice a week. And, and Lord, look, look at me. I tithe on everything. When I had to borrow a stick of butter from my neighbor, Lord, you know I'm cutting 10% of that butter off. I am following to the very exact letter of the law here. Lord, look at me. I've got my spiritual money clip. Look at all these great things. I am better than other people. And Lord, my spiritual money clip is laid out and I am good enough and I can put myself above others and trust my own righteousness. That's his heart. That's his heart. Then again, we look back and we see the heart of the tax collector. We see first his spiritual poverty. The spiritual poverty of this tax collector is he comes broken and repentant before the Lord. The tax collector won't even raise his head. He's beating his chest, crying, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Now, he came repentant, but the Bible says that he left justified. He left in a right relationship with God. Now, the Pharisee came in self-righteous, and he walked out self-righteous. He came in lost, trusting himself, and he walked out lost, trusting himself. He walked in with pride, and he walked out with pride. The tax collector as Jesus gives the example, walks in and recognizes his spiritual poverty. I am a sinner. Lord, I humble myself before you. I'm not even worthy to lift my eyes before you. And as he cries out to God for mercy, and he perceives his spiritual poverty, he receives God's spiritual provision. He leaves justified. He leaves changed. He leaves transformed. That's the picture for all of us. That, that we have to have that moment when we recognize in our life that I am a sinner. And that salvation comes through one person and one person only. His name is Jesus. And the Bible tells us that being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Pharisee was trusting his works. Paul makes it very clear in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is not your credentials of being a Pharisee. It is not your credentials of being on a roll at a Baptist church. It's not your credentials that your daddy or your grandpa was a deacon or a preacher. It's not on your credentials that you've sang in the choir. We don't trust our credentials, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. 
not of works. We can't trust our credits either. This, this isn't like, you know, I did something bad, so if I do something good, then, then I can throw some credits in to cancel that which was bad. He says it's not of works, it is a gift. And the gift can only be received when we humbly come before him. God is not interested in your credentials, and he's not interested in your credits in trying to achieve the kingdom of God. And if you today are trusting in you and you're trusting in anything that you have done, can I tell you, you are horribly and eternally lost unless you turn to Jesus and trust him alone as the only way of salvation. It comes first to spiritual poverty. And when we perceive our spiritual poverty, we can receive his spiritual blessing. As we think of the explanation of being poor in spirit and the picture of being poor in spirit, let's third think about the promise to those who are poor in spirit. Notice what he says back in verse number three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's two blessings. The first blessing is that you are blessed. <laughs> You're, there's a sense of happiness and peace. There's this inward joy. There's, there's this spiritual contentment and satisfaction in him. Let me tell you why it works this way. Because if you're trying to get to heaven on your credentials and your credits, you don't ever know. Have I done enough? Am I good enough? Am I involved enough? What, oh, I did this. I better do this and this and this and this to try to cancel this. There is no inward happiness. When you ask people that question, if you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? And they say, well, I think so. Well, I hope so. You know what that shows? There's no inward confidence and satisfaction that they know. They don't. And most people, if we would poll throughout this, this uh, county, throughout our nation, most people are trusting in their credentials and credits in order to get to heaven. What they have done and where they are, what they are a part of or what they have been a part of. But how do you know when it's enough? What if you come up just a little bit short? There is no inward satisfaction. There is no spiritual peace. There, there is no sense of happiness on the inside. When you think about eternity, if you don't know that you're poor in spirit and have received his provision. He says, you're blessed. And then he says, not only do we have that, that promise of being blessed, but we also have the promise that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The blessing is the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's two aspects of the kingdom of heaven. There is the kingdom that we are part of right now as the Lord rules and reigns in our heart. We are part of, of his kingdom. And he's ruling and reigning in us right now. And then there's an aspect of the kingdom that is not yet. So we have a present and a not yet aspect of the kingdom. And that not yet aspect of the kingdom is life's going to get beautiful and peaceful, free from sin and pain and sorrow one day. The key is, is, is there a king 
that's ruling in your heart that is not yourself? Are you trusting in your credits or your credentials? Are you trusting in the Lord? Let's, let's think about this and kind of wrap it up with four quick questions on whether we're poor in spirit. What, what are four, four questions that, that we can look at and think about if we're trying to determine whether we are poor in spirit or not? First question is this. Am I right with God? Am I right with God? Do I know that I have recognized I'm a sinner? I can't get to heaven on my own. I'm spiritually poor and utterly dependent upon God through Jesus to bring salvation. Do you know that you're right with God? Have you trusted Jesus as the only one who can bring salvation? Are you trusting in your credits and your credentials? Are you trusting in your, your works and your, your actions? You'll never make it that way. Second, am I focused on God? Am I focused on God? If I am spiritually poor in and of myself, that means I've got to keep my focus uh, moving toward him. I know that the Lord comes to live in my life and he's the one who provides the spiritual strength. He's the one who produces the spiritual fruit. That doesn't still come on my own. So I have to stay focused. Thirdly, am I submitted to God? Am I submitted? Am I laying my life before him and saying, Lord, you know, I was spiritually poor and I trust you for salvation, but Lord, my heart is still prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. So Lord, today, keep me submitted and focused on you. And then the fourth question is this. Am I happy in Jesus? The truth of the matter is, is if I know my relationship with God is right, and I know my eternity is secure, and I know he's in my life and he'll never leave me nor forsake me, I can walk through the deep water. I can climb the tall mountains. I can walk through the, the, the low and, and, and death valleys because I know him and I know he's with me. And that brings a sense of inward satisfaction. Not something on the external to push the inside, but when I'm happy on the inside with my walk, I know my relationship with Jesus is right, then I can walk through the difficulties of life around me. Walking all the way, knowing the Lord is with me. And in his presence is fullness of joy. And with that, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for the challenge in it. Father, may we recognize our spiritual poverty so that we can receive your spiritual provision. Lord, if there's anyone here today trusting in a position or any works, I pray that you would draw them to yourself today. We recognize... It is only by your grace, your mercy, your love, and your forgiveness that we can come into your kingdom 
and know that your provision through Jesus is met in our life. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. And Lord, in our poverty of spirit, may we always look to Jesus as the answer in your name.